Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. It's episode 118, back for a new season. Uh, it's been a long time coming. We were thinking about doing a couple of podcasts over the break, over the Christmas break and stuff, but uh, things were wild here, up and down with COVID and stuff, and that's actually why we're filming this the way that we are. Usually you'd see Jason and I sitting in the same room together in the podcast studio over at Jason's place, and uh, just not possible right now. Where we live locally, there are COVID-19 restrictions, so Jason and I can't actually see each other, so we had no choice but to do this digitally over the internet. And uh, when we made that, when we made the decision to do that, we realized, hey, we can bring Dad into this as well. So, welcome, Jason. Welcome, Dad. Glad to have you both here. Great to be here. Mm, I didn't know who's going to speak first, so I thought I'd go with my turn. <laughs> oh, there's, I'm sure there's going to be lots of awkward uh, moments now that we're doing I, this digitally. I've told Neil this in the past. When you do the podcast in person. You just pick up cues by body language and stuff that you just can't have online. So we're going to fumble over each other. Whatever, we'll just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's it's going to happen. Uh, so I figured instead of just like jumping into hockey stuff, and there's a lot to talk about, there is. Instead of going right into that, let's catch up a bit. Jason, what have you been up to recently? Um, Very recently, I've been <laughs> spending almost all of my free time doing some programming for a Discord bot. It is absolutely wrecking me, which is another reason why Neil is kind of pseudo-hosting this podcast, because I literally just don't have time to edit it and all that stuff. So as soon as this ends, I'm back to the programming. Um, it's a super big update, and I don't want to really say anything, because chances are I might not get some of it done. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about that later. But for the most mm-hmm. part, that's what I've been doing. I've just been laying low. COVID's kind of been going up and down in this area. So I don't know. There's really not been a whole lot going on. And that's not an exaggeration, like literally all of your free time, like you, all of it. I think you took a break for 15 minutes yesterday. Yeah. I took a break for about 25, 26 minutes. And that was to go meet up with you to get this swag for all you audio listeners. I have a reverse retro sweater, Boston Bruins with the amazing bear, (laughs) the meth bear. Um, and then I went and picked up some food and then right back at it because like I said, the season starts this week and the update has to be done before this week. So there are other commitments I'm supposed to be doing in my house that are being ignored. <laughs> my wife is not happy, but I literally have no time for anything else right now. So it's like work, sleep, program, rinse, repeat. That's the dedication. And uh, Darren, what was I going to say? Oh, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't join the Discord if you're not already. In case he doesn't get it done, you should still join the Discord. Because if he gets it done, then the prediction system is going to be awesome. We have so much fun with that every single year. Uh, we've had different winner every year. I think we've, this is, we're going into the third year of predictions, I think. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. We've had uh winner in the first year, different winner in the second, second year, and maybe a different winner in the third year. So I, I like to take part in it. I would love it if you could join. Uh, that is linked down below in the description. All right, dad, what have you been up to? Uh, I don't know when the last time I was on, so I don't know how long, long, back, far back I have to go to update, but uh... it was the, we talked about my DNA. So last oh, time we okay. chatted. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And we did confirm that you are my son. So uh, we did. <laughs> uh, it's been just a almost a picket fence of weeks going by. I, I don't know. I've, I've heard other people that I work with experiencing the same thing. Maybe other people generally are. But I just find the time is flying by. And I, it's the opposite of what I thought. I thought back in March when we were going to be stuck in our homes for however long, those of us who are lucky enough to be able to work at home. I thought the time would go incredibly slowly and it would just seem like forever. But the opposite has actually been happening. Uh, it's really, really going fast. 
And I can't believe it now. We're already into the second week of January. Uh, it's incredible. So what I've been doing, um, working, uh, most of my my management team that I work with, they took the Christmas and New Year's period off, but I didn't. I stayed on. So I, I watched the shop, I guess, while everyone else had a well-deserved break. So the time went even faster for me because I work basically every day that was not a holiday. And uh, I am about to start my next class at UPEI. I just finished my last one, got a 97.5 mark. So, uh, you know, Damn. I'm doing what I can. I'm trying hard and I'm about to start my next one. In fact, I got my, my textbook. It's a fourth year uh, political science course and it's about uh, politics. It's about the Canadian election of 2019 and other things. And it should be a lot of fun. That starts on Tuesday. So I've got special permission from work to uh, take an hour and 15 minutes off two days a week to attend that class via Zoom. So I'll be sitting in this spot with the, the same background. And it was funny. I've, I've got to tell you just a quick story before I finish my uh, my update. We were having a Christmas party for all of our staff and several of the. What are you laughing? No, sorry. I kicked oh. my chair. Oh, OK. <laughs> What's wrong? What's, what's so funny about that? Anyway, we had a just before Christmas, we had a bit of an online staff party uh, to the extent that we could. So we had some games prearranged and we, there was some trivia and I did a name that tune thing. And during the revealing of the answers of name that tune, which I think went over very well, I reached around and I grabbed something off the shelf and I, you know, showed it or whatever I was doing. And one of the guys on the chat said, that's a real background. That's real. I said, oh, yeah. And then I, you know, turned around and I moved stuff and I, you know, I did things. And he was absolutely convinced that the background was just a, an image and I was being chroma keyed on top of it. Or something. Really? Yeah. He said, you can sell that background. He said, that'd be amazing. That's a really nice background. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's what you wanted. Yeah. So and, and back then, uh, your mother had done a great job. Like there's a there's a bit of a nail up here. You can't maybe well, you can see a little bit, I guess. And she had a Christmas wreath hanging from there. And a bunch of other Christmassy things on the shelves that were, uh, you know, in season. So it looked really nice. And she did a great job at it. And when the, when they found out it was real, they were just so much more blown away. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, I've been working, um, just getting ready for my uh, next session of studies. That will go into the middle of April, uh, two days a week. And the work will continue. And I'm still playing around with my ham radio stuff. And uh, I have some downtime doing a little bit of reading uh, to pass the time. And. Your mother and I are keeping up on our shows that we watch. So it's really just staying home. We're so much luckier in PEI than you guys are in New Brunswick. We have eight cases in total for the whole province. We've had 102 since March. Uh, nobody ever went into hospital. Nobody's died. So and there's no one in the hospital now. So we have eight active cases and hardly any new cases come in from one day to the next. But I know you're having an awful tough time there in New Brunswick and uh, can't wait for that to be over because basically we're we're locked up. It would be harder for me to go see you right now than it would normally be for me to go to the U.S. to go shopping for a weekend. Yeah, that's you're, that's true. And we've been experiencing maybe an average between 20 and 30 per day, new cases per day here in New Brunswick, which probably seems so insignificant to 98% of the viewers out there because Atlantic Canada has done a very good job of mitigating this whole thing. And uh, 30 cases is very low, but to us, that's huge. Like mm -hmm. prior to these last couple of weeks, I think the biggest per day number was like seven or eight or something like that. And we're going on the fourth or fifth day of it being 
15 plus. So it's uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, we did expect it. And I just have to comment real quickly, Dad, uh, when you're talking about your classes and stuff, you use, you use the word political and fun in the same sentence. I don't know if I've ever heard that. <laughs> well, um, there, there are some strange people in the world, and I guess I'm one of them. Well, I won't comment on that. <laughs> uh, okay, so I just want to get into some, some, some notes here about the podcast itself. Moving into this season, it's going to have the same exact schedule as last season every single Sunday with uploads uh, Sunday night. Worst case scenario, Monday morning, depending on time availability, how long it takes to edit, yada, yada, yada. Um, but the biggest change, and we announced this in the last episode of last season, is that we're we're going to continue to upload the full podcast as an audio-only podcast like we normally do, but there will not be a full-length video version of the podcast. This one here, it will be the last full-length version. We're going to treat that YouTube channel as a highlights, uh, basically, channel just of the podcast itself. So if we have a conversation about Corey Crawford, we're going to cut that conversation, the video version, out of the podcast and upload that as a singular video onto the podcast channel. There's just not very much growth on YouTube for podcasts when you upload the entire thing. Um, SEO, you know, search engine optimization, marketing, uh, when you're searching for something, no one searches for five topics at once. People are searching for individual titles mm -hmm. and, and conversations. So that's the way we're going to move forward. The podcast is really supposed to be audio only uh, fully anyway. So we're just getting back to the roots and the original plan for the podcast when we started it almost four years ago or four years, roughly four years ago. I don't know. Yep. Uh, anyways, that's kind of the, the, uh, the podcast notes. Now to get into some actual hockey talk. Just, just I, before you go, if, if I might, something I, I always know the viewers were asking for in the podcast previously because they want timestamps. You know, give us some timestamps. Give us some timestamps. Some volunteers were good enough to go in and do some timestamps after the podcast would upload. But this way, it's even better than that because instead of timestamps, you're getting distinct videos about each topic, which is even better. Exactly. Now, there might be a, a bit of a delay, like we might have a conversation on Sunday. If you want to hear the audio version, you'll hear a Sunday night, but you not, might not see that conversation uh, visually until Thursday or something. Depends on depends on the importance of the conversation, basically. If it's something really time sensitive, well, that video is going to go up Monday morning or that snippet. Um, if it's just a random topic, maybe that goes out 30, Thursday or Friday or something like that. So, But yes, 100%, you're right. That's a good point to make. And we're still going to try to figure out the best way to do it because I mean we have an idea of how to do it but I think the goal is if we're gonna we're gonna try to do something we're not very good at and trying to focus our conversations on one topic so like yes. when we're talking about something we're not gonna go away from it and then come back we're gonna try that's something we gotta work on <laughs> you are 100% right hopefully because of this our topics are super focused on individual things and then we can actually upload each video of those individual things so if you are only a YouTube watcher you're not necessarily going to miss anything. You're just going to have to click on more than one video to see everything. And it's going to be like Neil said, like when someone searches for something, then we might be one of the results that comes in. Whereas before we're not because we have 12 topics on a one hour and a half video that's not being advertised anyway. Exactly. And maybe someone doesn't have time to sit down and watch an hour long pod podcast. Maybe they have seven minutes and they see a video pop up and they're like, oh, boom, I want to watch that. I want to hear about that. And they watch it. They got seven minutes. They're good to go. Maybe the same podcast comes out and it's an hour long and they're like, oh, well, I only have seven minutes. I'm not going to watch that. And then they never click on the video. So mm -hmm. we're, we have a theory. We're not sure if it's going to work. We know some other podcasts do this, do it the same way. So we're going to test it out. 
but yep. uh, regardless. But just All bear right. with us. Yeah, bear with us, please. <laughs> uh, we have serious stuff to talk about, but I have to be a little bit selfish here and transition to jerseys, even though I know both of you guys are not super interested in jerseys. I need your thoughts. Jason, how do you feel about the Boston Bruins reverse retro? I thought it was okay. I really did. Is there anything um, you don't like about it? Not really. Um, it's not... Hmm. Is it something that I would go out and buy and wear to a game? Mm, probably not. I would, I would definitely wear the one you got me. Um, I like it better than normal ones that I see in that color because generally that's not a color where I'm like, eh, I want to get that. But yeah. for some reason, I don't know why if it's my team, but I, I just like it. Like yep. this little guy right here, <laughs> I like this guy little here. He's awesome. He, he kind of makes it. He's like my buddy now. He's just chilling <laughs> with me all the time. So and I'm pretty happy with it. Good stuff. Uh, Dad, Montreal Canadiens came out with a reverse retro opposite of their normal colors. How do you feel? I absolutely love it. And really? I thought I would anyway. I just, I like blue better than red generally as a color. I prefer to have around me. I like blue. Um, and to have the Canadians do that full flip like that um, and maintain the, the look and feel uh, that it really should have, I thought it was a, it probably wasn't hard to think up. You know, you just go with your little mouse and your color palette and you go click, click. Oh, I like that, you know, and away you go. Uh, so it probably wasn't hard. It certainly didn't involve lots of design work like Nashville or Arizona would have perhaps. But uh, I I really, really like it. And I would go so far as to say if they decided to wear that as their home color forever, I'd be okay with it. I see a lot of people having that same opinion. And it's, it is kind of crazy when a team is so traditional that they never kind of do anything crazy like that, but then they go and do something crazy, it is almost completely accepted by the fan base. So they really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and blue is one of their foundational count, you know, colors. They're 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 known en français as the tricolore, the the you know the blue blanc rouge, uh, and it, blue is a main color. It wasn't the largest in, in surface area, but it, it's not a color that has not been associated with the team or anything. So it wasn't that crazy, that far off the crazy farm so it was a, a nice nicely done good stuff i'm glad you like it yeah. uh now i like there's we're going to talk about advertising we're going to talk about divisions and all that stuff but the the most recent and maybe applicable news and the reason why i'm wearing this jersey is the whole Corey crawford situation mm -hmm. so uh we're going to get both your guys's opinions and, and, and mine as well but i just want to read his actual statements so if, you, if you're not aware Corey crawford has retired from the nhl and here's what he had to say I've been fortunate to have had a long career playing professional hockey for a living. I wanted to continue my career, but I believe I've given all I can to the game of hockey. And I've decided that it is time to retire. I would like to thank the New, the New Jersey Devils organization for understanding and supporting my decision. I would like to thank the Chicago Blackhawks organization for giving me the chance to live my childhood dream. I am proud to have been a part of winning two Stanley Cups in Chicago. And that's really all we heard from uh, Corey Crawford. Now, he's... He, he just signed a contract with the New Jersey Devils just a couple of months ago. So this kind of took people by surprise a little bit. So really, two, two questions here. Should the New Jersey Devils fans be upset um, and or or and does he owe us more of an explanation? What do you guys think of this? Hmm. Well, the contract stuff's interesting because, like you said, it was. I think he just signed a two-year contract. I think it was almost eight million dollars. So that's, you're looking at four million a year to go to a new team. And I think, as a New Jersey fan, I think it's fair to be upset about it 
because, you know, this is something you're probably looking forward to. This is, a, you know, this is a goalie that's won two cups recently. You know, he's still playing quite well. He's 36 years old. Um, but in terms of him, Corey Crawford himself, like from someone who's not a New Jersey fan or not a Chicago fan, someone looking in, um, this guy's been riddled with injury history, and I don't blame him one bit for deciding that, you know what, I you know, I wanted to go for it, but it's just it's just not me anymore. Or I'm not in it, or I'm not feeling the greatest, or maybe these COVID protocols are going to take too much out of me, or there could be a lot of different reasons. And and I can't fault someone who's had a long career like that. He's had success. The only thing is, you, you are right about just recently signing, you know, that two, two-year contract. Kind of makes it a little awkward, especially when it's this close to the season, but... Um, I don't fault him, but I, I definitely understand how New Jersey fans can be upset. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well said. Dad, how do you feel? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that the New Jersey fans can be disappointed, I, I would say, and they, I'm sure they are disappointed. Whether How much upset they're, they're entitled to be, I'm not really sure in the, in the current context of what's going on around the world uh, with COVID. All the rules are off the table. Everything has changed. We saw the Tukarask situation just at, at last season when they came back for these weirdo playoffs in the summertime and so I'd, I'd say that the fans have a right to be disappointed I don't know if they anyone has a right to be upset these days when it comes to players making very difficult personal choices not only for them but possibly for their family maybe for their parents for all we know and uh, if, if he's deciding to walk away from eight million bucks uh, he probably has enough good reasons to do that uh, now on the second question that you asked um, does he owe us more of an explanation? And I don't think he does. Uh, he's obviously worked it out with the New Jersey management, and he's mentioned their cooperation in his statement. So I presume that he's told them that all they need to know. And if they're satisfied with what they know about the situation, then I think we have to take it at that. Yeah, I mean, when I first heard the news, I I probably felt like most New Jersey Devils fans. What What the hell, man? Like, you've put us in a total bind here. We've got Mackenzie Blackwood, who's a real good goaltender, but our plan was to have you be alongside him. And now what, what are we going to do? We're less than a week away from the beginning of the season. Like this is, this sucks. But when I stopped reaction, reacting emotionally like that, it, it, I don't think he owes us an explanation. It doesn't really matter. We don't know what's behind his decision. It could be a physical health decision. It could be a mental health decision. It could be, just he's just emotionally not invested in hockey anymore, and he's just done. He's happy with his career. Um, maybe something happened in his family with his. I don't. I don't know if he has kids. Maybe something happened with his kids or his his wife or his parents or who who knows. It it doesn't really matter what his decision is. Uh, we have to respect it. It's not like he did it intentionally. Like that. That's the thing. Like if if you think he did it intentionally, I just I think just boldly that's the wrong opinion to have. Just assuming the worst in someone. Mm -hmm. uh that's that cannot be the case he's he, why would he do that it would make no sense for him to do that um so i think i think i don't need to hear his reason i think it sucks for the new jersey devils organization and fans but he's he, at the end of the day he's a person and we need to respect his decision and move on so that's why i feel like without knowing obviously we don't know what's wrong or what what made this decision but i would assume it's got to be health uh, he missed 80 games in the last two years because of concussions. Yeah, he basically oh. missed a full season. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a lot of time to miss. Um, I don't know, like, you can go into something being super ready for it, and then as the time gets closer, you start feeling a little bit differently, and I think that's just kind of what happened here. So, oh, yeah. it sucks for them, but 
got to look after himself first. Yep, totally. I agree. Yeah, I think when he signed the deal, he had every intention of uh, playing it out. Totally. And uh, in this day and age, it's just people are allowed to change their minds. And uh, one of the things, you know, on the good side, when you change your mind, there are consequences. And on the good side, I mean, in this case, for the team. Uh, if, if they were still going to have to pay him or something under some weird contract fluky provision, then I'd be a little on the upset side uh, for the team and for the fan base. But right. in this case, when you don't play, you don't get paid. And uh, he's walking away from the money. And then, therefore, the club keeps the money. It keeps the cap uh, space open for whoever else they might want to bring in. Yeah, I mean, he's working. He's walking away from $8 million. Up front, obviously, that's taxed and yada, yada, yada. He's not getting $8 million, but... Still, that's a lot of money to walk away from. So it's a decision that is extremely tough on his end. So hard, hard to judge it. We're not in a situation. So um, before we get into the advertising and all that other stuff, I just want to talk a little bit about the divisions because we are in a totally new world right now. We have two new div- or four new divisions, four new names. Uh, those are sponsored. Let's get into that. So the four, four new divisions are going to be uh, the West Division, the North Division, the Central Division, and the East Division. So regardless of the rest of the conversation, I just want to say I do not like these uh, division names. They make sense. They make, they make well, they don't all make sense. But for the most part, they make sense. It's just we have an Eastern Conference, or we had an Eastern Conference. We had a Western Conference. Seeing that word West or East and now in a division title just feels weird. So regardless of that, that's odd to me but then we have sponsors as well so the western division is sponsored by honda the north division is sponsored by scotiabank central is sponsored by discover and eastern division or east division is sponsored by uh, mass mutual uh what do you guys think of these new division names and the sponsors uh, jason what do you feel how do you feel um we'll get into this a little more deep in a minute but it doesn't bother me like whatever it doesn't it doesn't affect the play in the ice. Like when they're playing games, I don't, it's not an additional ad I'm seeing on my TV. It might be on a graphic somewhere. Like when they're showing standings, that's probably the only time I'm going to see it. So whatever. Um, I do think it's kind of weird though, that um, the sponsorship is actually part of the name. So technically their company name is part of the division name. So it's not yeah. just central division, the East division, it's the Scotia North division. And <laughs> yeah. Like I like I have in my notes for later when we start talking about like the economics and stuff. Like, I'm just wondering how much value those companies are going to get out of that when, you know, people are speculating they're paying mid seven figure salaries to get their names as part of the division. Um, but how how often are people going to refer to those divisions with the names of the companies? Because there's an article in Sportsnet today that was literally posted two hours ago that talks about I think it's a central division and they don't even mention the sponsor name in it, not one word of discover in any of it. So mm. they're basically paying to have the little badge symbol that has, you know, East, West, North on it with their little company logo, which is probably going to be so small on TV that I don't even know if you're really going to see it. So I don't know. I don't know how much value is in that, but we might see some progression over time as how they deliver that uh, stuff. But yeah, it's just, I mean, Scotiabank paid a lot of money to have their name put on the old air Canada center. I still call it the Air Canada Center. I don't even call it Scotiabank Arena or Scotiabank Place or whatever the hell it's called. I don't care. It's the it's uh, Air Canada Center. <laughs> uh, so as a Scotiabank customer, seeing them also dish out huge money to sponsor a division, I get it from the NHL side. It's great. They need to recoup some money, but mm. it's just it's I don't know. I there's I don't see the return there, but 
uh, regardless. What what about like, the division why, names themselves? That's why our bank fees are going up so that they can have a sponsored rank in every city and they have their name plastered. It's ridiculous how much advertising Scotiabank. Like it's good. Like these, I mean, some of these places need. They do a lot of stuff for kids too. But like in terms of like the corporate sponsorship and having your name on an arena, like. I don't know anybody that flies into Toronto and says, hey, look, it's the Scotiabank Arena. Let's go sign up for Scotiabank and get rid of our RBC cards. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's very strange. Uh, Dad, how do you feel? Well, I, I'm just glad. I guess in a way, I, I think it's all so, so stupid uh, in a way. <laughs> yes. We have these, we have these uh, names that, that no one's going to use other than the people who have to. The NHL will have deals with NBC and with, uh, you know, uh, Sportsnet or whatever, and they'll probably be requesting or requiring that they use the names a certain amount or in certain places, and that's all fine. But the ordinary hockey fan isn't going to really care, uh, I don't think. Anyway, I st- I still want to call the Montreal-Boston rivalry the Adams Division. You know, we're going back a ways now, but uh, what they call the division names is not not critical for me. I think the names they chose are fairly sensible other than the sponsorship piece. Uh, although I think it's odd to have a team like Florida, which is on the coast of the Atlantic ocean in the central division. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I would have lined the map up the way they did, but they didn't have much of a choice. There's obviously far more teams in the Eastern time zone than there are in the central time zone or the mountain or Pacific time zone. So they had to do something. Um, but maybe now that we have sponsor names that are corporate, we don't have to worry about the geography as much. I don't know. I wasn't happy with the divisions that they lined them up in previously anyway. I didn't think that uh, that it made sense, frankly, to have Tampa Bay and Florida in with Montreal and Boston and Toronto and Detroit, whereas you had you know Washington and the New York Rangers and the Islanders all in a, in a division as well. And basically you have to fly all the way over that division to get into your other teams in your division like it just made no sense but anyway yeah as far as, as, far as the names themselves i have to say i'm, I'm glad it's honda and discover and scotia bank and and mass mutual i'm glad it's those they're fairly benign names they're not they don't attract any additional attention can you imagine if it was the viagra division <laughs> yeah right. that would be uh that would be awkward for sure very yeah. awkward or the emodium division and those are also names that have been sponsoring hockey for a long time now like we've like if you watch nbc you know about the discover intermission report you know that honda sponsors all-star games and stuff like that Scotiabank is everywhere up in canada so other than mass mutual which i haven't really heard a whole lot i'm sure it's quite prevalent down the states uh the other three are i mean even i like they're just commonplace with hockey for me yeah absolutely um that's a good your your conversation dad led into the it was a good segue into the kind of alignment i'm going to go through all of the uh, actual divisions here so western division you've got anaheim arizona la Kings, san jose vegas colorado st louis and minnesota in the western division not sure how i feel about that one but uh it's that is like the you weakest said it's division if you ask me as far as talent yep oh yeah absolutely absolutely that is that is a very easy division to play in um, the North Division is just basically all the Canadian teams. Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, and Winnipeg. That is going to be a very difficult div- division to come out of on top. Uh, Central Division is Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Tampa Bay, and Nashville. A very odd division as far as geography. And then the East Division, which the one that makes the most sense, is Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, Islanders, Rangers, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, uh, and Washington. So that's a I'm gonna, tough division. Oh. That, yeah, that, that is so tough. 
That is that is that is the elite division of all of them. There is going, going to be a playoff team in that division that does not make the playoffs this year. Or uh, maybe two. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. hundred percent. Now, I it makes it hard to predict too because standing wise, because you're when you make predictions uh, of standings for the for the end of the season, you're thinking about rivalries and stuff. Well, there are certain rivalries that we're not going to see this year because things have kind of changed around a little bit. There's still going to be Toronto, Montreal, uh, but there's not going to be Boston, Montreal. So things for all these fantasy people who are doing fantasy picks and, and all this stuff, this is all new to them. So I'm glad that I'm not into fantasy. I'd be stressing out right now, but <laughs> uh, regardless. I think okay, the so moves are going to be really good though in terms of rivalries. Like, Oh yeah. Like, and the three American divisions, I think they play every team eight times. So, I mean, you play some guys eight times, you're going to get the knot to like some of those players on those teams. And then up in the in the Canadian division or the North division, as they call it, some teams are going to play each other ten times. So, <laughs> yeah. like, we're talking about the Battle of Alberta. We're talking about Toronto, Montreal. Like, like I'm a Bruins fan. I'm going to watch the Bruins games. But I think the Canadian division is going to be awesome. Like, I am so looking forward to watching that. It's going to be great for TV. And just thinking about teams who don't have a rival, like, I don't hate to pick on Arizona, but Arizona really doesn't have a primary rival. You could argue Vegas. You could argue L.A. But I think this year we should see a spark with Arizona having a rival with someone, which will be great for the organization. This is an odd year, but it's a really good test case or a test candidate for the NHL to kind of test new things and and say, hey, yeah, we can do this or we can play games without any fans and all that stuff. So it's it's unfortunate but it's almost just slightly a blessing in disguise as well, just from a, a testing standpoint. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, yeah, it does. Like I remember how when they were talking about the NHL coming back for the last season to finish it off, and they were really picking away at Gary Bettman to try to find out what this might mean for the future. And he was like, no, this is no effect on the future. We were, this is not a permanent thing. Put that out of your mind. We're going back to normal when this is done. Um, but now here we have another season where, like you say, Neil, they're going to get a chance to try these things out. And they may like what they see, not in all of it, but in some of it. They may like what they see. Uh, and who knows? Uh, there may be some possibilities of realignments here for the more permanent divisions once the COVID business is over with and we're back to somewhat of a normal. Uh, maybe you won't see exactly the same thing that we had a year and a half ago. I, I think that would be a great thing. I kind of think the division, divisions, divisions need fixed anyway, so I'm hoping that this leads into that. Uh, the last thing I have on my list, and the way we're doing our notes now, is I've put down a bunch of stuff, Brent's put down a bunch of stuff, and Jason's put down some stuff. Um, so we're just kind of going through each, each person's notes. This is the last thing on my list. I just wanted to ask you, Dad, the Montreal Canadiens have made some incredible, or maybe not incredible, but some uh, important moves in the offseason players like jake allen coming in edmonston uh, romanov's coming up uh cory perry tyler to foley josh anderson and uh froley coop we probably won't see too much of but i just want your thoughts really on those moves and the upcoming season for montreal because we haven't we may have discussed it off camera but i don't think you've given your opinion on my channel um so what do you think no i haven't uh the first thing i'm thinking of is that for the first time in i don't know how long montreal is spending to the cap uh, they have not been for years. They've had this, you know, five or six million bucks just laying there, not in anyone's pocket, and they haven't been winning. And not that this will change everything, but I love the Jake Allen signing. 
especially on a 56 game schedule that we're going into not counting playoffs and i think montreal is a playoff contender with this with this lineup they're going to have um but let's say you had Carey price playing 35 38 games and jake picking up the rest uh that's a tremendous tandem to go into the playoffs with two uh experienced fairly well-rested goalies one of them with the stanley cup ring although jake didn't play much in that in that cup run two years ago uh but still just the experience that they've got the two of them and these other players uh montreal has instantly gotten tougher and bigger and 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 more aggressive up front and bigger in the back end and i i think it i think it's really really good we've had some diminishment of the team we've lost max domi and there's been a few other changes but but I think the team that's going to take to the ice this coming week, this is like Wednesday night in a couple of days, we're actually going to have real uh, regular season games again. Uh, the team that takes to the ice uh, is going to be a tougher team to play against for, for a change. And I really, really like what I've seen them do. Mark Bergevin has uh, always, not always pleased me, but he has made some really, really smart moves that maybe didn't even seem smart at the time. Like when he picked up Paul Byron off waivers or whatever the heck that was. That was incredible. Turns out to be one of the greatest deals ever. Um, so he's seeing things in these players that uh, I'm, I'm really eager to see Romanov uh, lace up. I've, as you know, we have talked about this part. I'm not a Corey Perry fan. I've not been one. I don't like his style of play. I think he's uh, he's Marchand-like when it comes to his uh, level of truculence, <laughs> as uh, Brian Burke would say. I don't like that kind of truculence, period, especially on Montreal, which I hope is a more classy organization. But maybe rather than Corey Perry dragging the team down into his level, uh, when he joins the Canadians, he will come up to their level as far as his responsibility goes. Uh, I watched a couple of interviews he gave to the English and the French press, French obviously uh, with translation, and I think he's got the right attitude. So I have reserved judgment on Corey Perry. He may turn out okay, and I'm not going to hate on him until he earns it. So, yeah, I'm happy. Sounds good. All right. Well, I, I, I like your opinion. I like your enthusiasm. Would you like to give any predictions as to where they're going to fall in that division by the end of the season? Well, I think you've got some really strong teams there. I think Toronto's going to be incredibly strong with the moves that they've made uh, and some of the baggage that is gone now from Toronto. Um, although Toronto always disappoints, don't they? But I think <laughs> Toronto's a very, very good team. Uh, I think Winnipeg, Maybe they've seen their best with the current squad, and, and, and maybe they won't be as strong as, as they would have otherwise been a year or two ago. The Calgary-Edmonton dynamic is interesting. Uh, Vancouver, I think they're going to be a tremendous team. And now with, with the East and the Western Canadian teams playing each other so often, I think we'll really finally see which of the sides of the country are stronger. And I think Vancouver is going to come out very well there. So I'd be content if Montreal finished third or fourth uh, in the overall division. They may do better than that. I, I wouldn't predict them finishing first, but I won't be uh, upset if they do. Sounds good. I It's interesting hearing that uh, your opinion on, on predictions there because I just prepped my four videos. I'm going to predict every single division. And a lot of what you said just kind of aligned with what I have written down here right in front of me uh, on this page here. So uh, I'm glad I'm not I'm glad I'm not alone in some of my opinions. You so. might still be crazy, but you won't be alone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure who which one of you want to take it away, but uh, I have here in front of me here, Dad, your your notes here on the, the World Juniors. Did you, you want to jump into that? I wouldn't mind. Uh, I just wondered. I didn't see it on your notes when I reviewed them this morning. And uh, I, I thought 
this is the first podcast, probably the only one where where we will get to talk about the World Junior Game, and it only the tournament only ended, you know, around a week ago. Uh, I just wanted your views on what you thought of it. I presume you watched it. I know I PVR'd all of the important games. I I PVR'd all the Canada games for one thing. I tried to PVR all the Swede, Finland, USA games uh, just to make sure I saw them. Not to watch them all the way through in real time, but maybe to skip through and just look for the goals or look for the big plays. But uh, I thought Canada had an incredible squad. They lost their captain at the very beginning of the tournament. Uh, and that was a bit of a scare, I think, to the to the roster. But they performed in the round robin just tremendously and did very well in the uh, in the playoffs until they got to that final game. And the Americans had a rough start losing to Russia, but then they went 6-0 and after that. So it was a really great setup for this final game. And I frankly think that the, the Americans were the best team. And I think Canada played very well and have nothing to be ashamed of. But uh, losing to the Americans, 2-0. The way the Americans played, they played the way exactly the way they needed to to match up with Canada's skill. And they ended up coming away with a, a tremendously a, aggressive team in their own zone. At times, I thought, it looked like they had six skaters in their own zone. It was only five, but they were so mobile and they were everywhere and they were clogging up the, uh, you know, the, the the main shooting area and keeping Canada's chances to the outside. I thought they did a masterful job. Uh, the only downside was the after the victory celebration when they all gathered together, laid down on the ice with the uh, World Junior Cup of Hockey or World Cup of Hockey, you know what I mean, the cup. And uh, Knight, the goalie, uh, skated away for a minute and came back with that big blue barrel with the Team Canada logo taped onto it mm-hmm. and posed with that too. In other words, you know, this is the, the garbage can. Uh, that's what I took it at at the time. Right. right? But up till that moment, I, I felt really good about how the game had gone. Only one minor penalty on each side. It wasn't rough. It wasn't dirty. It was cleanly called by four Canadian referees who were very fair. They even called a crease violation against Canada. And which I thought was extremely fair because you could easily start conversations with four Canadian referees and Canada being in the final. So I'm really glad it turned out that the, the game was decided on the ice by the players playing, you know, a really good game of hockey. But after the that was over with, though, I think if I were the coach of Team Canada, I'd have a great big photograph of that garbage can. <laughs> that would be on the dressing room wall for next year's team. And I, you know. You know the story behind that, though, right? I do. I do. Yeah, I okay. do. You know, there's next steps and looking at the next uh, blue barrel and all that. I, I get that. And it would have been great to haul the blue barrel out. Just take the Canadian sticker off of it. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, it needed some context, though, I think. but uh... Yeah, context before that game happened, maybe. like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I thought, look, Devin Levi was great. And he was, uh, when you look at Knight, I think it was a first-round pick by Florida. And Levi was, like, several rounds down or... or um, I think he, I think he was named the best goalie in the tournament, which I think is well deserved. He was really, really good. Um, the uh, I just think overall, I think that the future is so bright for all these kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canada, U.S., and some of the some of the talent you see in Finland and Sweden and Russia. Um, you know, hockey's in good shape. Did you watch the game, Jason? Yeah, it's disappointing that you only get one game between Canada and the States and it's over for another year. Um, I was actually listening to TSN radio when they, t- when they were talking about it. And um, one of the guys on there was uh, proposing that even though it could never happen because IHF and NHL don't get along was they almost wanted to do like kind of like a Ryder cup every four years in a way on the opposite two years of, 
of the uh, Olympics where you have Canada versus USA. So you have their junior team, the women's team, and maybe like the NHL team, and they each play a game. And it's it's done as a series. So the first combined team that gets four wins wins the series just to get everyone in on it. And I thought that would huh. be kind of cool. But you could never do that because I, Jeff, and NHL just don't get along. Um, that's, think, that's interesting, I think, though. I think if the um, – if Canada and United States had a best game of five or a game of five, like, you know, who could win three first? I think that would have been incredible to watch. Um, I think Canada, I still think Canada was the best team in the tournament. I think the Americans played extremely well that game. They, they were hundred percent deserve the win, but and I'm, I don't think I'm being biased here. I, I think that that was actually one of the strongest teams that Canada's ever put out on the ice. Like they were unstoppable. And then just for whatever reason, they just didn't have it one game, and that's that's all it takes in a tournament like that. So massive kudos to the States. If I could have seen a best of five, I would I would have loved it. It would have been amazing. And, and the Americans very well could have still won, but it's just great hockey. It's 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 entertaining. It, they're just going for it. And, I mean, who doesn't love World Juniors? Yeah, it was, it was an amazing game. Uh, I think I think defense trumps offense a, a little bit in that game. Defensively, uh, America shut down Canada completely in that game, keeping Canada to the outside, stopping them in the in the neutral zone from getting into the zone, and just they just had a, another level energy-wise as well. So uh, the United States deserved to win that game. Um, Canada played well, like both you guys said. Canada played really well, um, but United States just played better. I, I felt like the game was completely fair, like you said, Dad. There was no specific play that was controversial or anything like that. It was decided very fairly. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm sad that we have to wait another year to see these games because there's world junior hockey is, is just something else. It's NHL playoff hockey is great. It's, it's amazing, but world juniors is just, it's just different kind of special. So I really appreciate it. It's kind of like comparing March madness to the pro sports. It's just, it's just a different yeah. kind of sport. That's a different kind of exciting. Yeah. I want to ask you guys about the biggest news about the world juniors though, and get your opinion on it. What do you think of that couple winning eight point seven million dollars on the fifty fifty tickets? That's how much they won. <laughs> eight point seven million dollars on a fifty fifty ticket. I, I heard them saying, I think maybe during that final game, that Edmonton is the fifty fifty capital of the world, <laughs> uh, and I think that definitely proves it. I, it's just incredible. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't really have an opinion on it. I guess I think it's. I think it's wonderful. Uh, that that they were able to raise how much was it eight point something million for whatever charity they're supporting. So I think that's the good mm-hmm. news story there. Yeah, it's that's a lot an st- insane amount of people buying tickets. That's a lot of st- stimulus money. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's crazy though. I I mean, it, congratulations to those people. That's eight point seven million. You could do a lot of good with that. Yeah. Or have a lot of fun. Uh, I think so. I read that they plan to keep working. Like they're not going to retire. That's awesome. I mean, maybe maybe eight point seven million dollars out in Alberta is not just chump change to us. I don't know. But. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it goes a little further here on the uh, east coast than it does on the west coast. Yeah, eight point seven million. Maybe they can build a piece on their house in Sherwood Park. <laughs> yeah. um, I I just think it's great. Now I I know I've been you know at well, Neil you'd know this as well from little local games in our local arena back in New Brunswick in the day you'd have a fifty fifty and the the winning prize might be seventy five bucks or something. And sometimes if the person who won it could afford to they would just donate the proceeds back to the charity as well like I, you know i'll that's okay i'll walk away from my winnings you can have the that too i'm just glad to help out you know it's a wonderful gesture wouldn't expect that with eight point whatever million no no, no i think i'll hang on to that 
Yeah. Life-changing money. <laughs> really? Yeah. Could get some uh, new gear for the podcast with that kind of money. Yeah, you oh, could. Oh. <laughs> new set. Yeah. Coming to you live from Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. What else you got, Dad? Um, just, I, I've seen it discussed a little bit. And uh, when in the Olympic context, I know in Canada, uh, our representative on the International Olympic Committee, and you got to love names. This guy's name is Dick Pound. Oh, yeah. Uh, just saying. <laughs> but, but he made some commentary about his view that uh, the general population would more or less support the notion of Olympic athletes all receiving the COVID vaccine ahead of schedule, uh, where they normally would be scheduled, if it would guarantee a successful Olympics coming up uh, in, in Tokyo. Or, yeah, Tokyo, I guess. And there was immediate reaction to that. And it got me thinking, and I, I'm sure the discussions happened and maybe I just haven't been paying attention, but I'm curious as to what you, you guys think about any plan or program that would vaccinate the NHL players early so that we could be guaranteed or have a more settled guarantee of a season that doesn't involve a lot of postponements like we're already going to see with Columbus and Dallas um, and doesn't involve a lot of uncertainty. If all the players and all the staff were vaccinated and got both their shots, let's say, by the end of February, uh, then you'd know that you could run right into July and not have to worry about COVID, presuming that the, the vaccinations work, they, uh, you know, vaccinations work the way they're supposed to work. So just wondering what you're thinking about that. Did, did we talk about that uh, on anything? I know we talked about it, but I don't know if we talked about it on anything like public. I made a video about it, so I'm okay, going to let Maybe that's, what I'm, maybe that's yeah, what I'm thinking about. You go first. Because <laughs> I know that the NHL let it slip out there that they were trying to buy vaccines for the players, and they got immediate reaction, and then, you know, they they had their PR people come out and say, oh, no, we were just testing the waters or whatever related to see what, what was there. Um, I don't think anyone is going to win the public relations battle with the public when it comes to this. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter who you are or what you're doing. You could be doing something amazing and there's still going to be a group of people saying, wait your turn. Yes. Um, I don't know how I feel about it because on, on the one hand, um, the two companies that are making the vaccine right now are private companies and they're allowed to sell it to whoever they want. So if, if, if the NHL comes out and decides they're going to pay more money than the government of the United States and Canada is willing to pay them, then who are we to say, hey, you can't do that? They're a business and they're going to try to make as much money off this as they can. Um, that said, I would hope that the government is bidding in a place where, you know, private companies or private co corporations aren't necessarily getting ahead of us so that we're just waiting forever for the regular person to get it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, think it's. I think it's tough, and if I decide with one side, I think I would probably side with the masses on this one just to let people wait their turns. Um, there's there's definitely steps the NHL can do, which they're doing now, to try to prevent things from happening. Like, they have more precautions in place and stuff, but, I mean, it's not bulletproof, obviously. It's not like a bubble, and the, and the bubbles are done. We're not going to see any more bubbles, except for maybe if a playoff requires it. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's... I can't I can't blame the public for being mad because it's sports and yeah sports has an important role for a lot of people's lives it's entertainment people are at home they need something to watch I get that um, but at the same time it's it's just sports like we have healthcare people who still haven't got their stuff yet and um, I can't like you know I have a sister that's a nurse and I can't have I can't I can't defend people saying that sports people should get it over you know 
regular people that are working in hospitals that are putting themselves at risk all the time and they don't have theirs yet. So yeah, I would say depending on what public is what, um, maybe like a person like me, I could see the NHL getting it over a person like me who's just a regular Joe. But in terms of people in like the healthcare industry and seniors and people in homes, like I would, I would hope that those people get it before, you know, professional athletes do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think if there's a surplus of vaccines, by all means, NHL, go go buy whatever you want to buy. If it's if it's not taking away from someone else or the, a government or a country or whatever, um, that's kind of where I stand. If there's lots available, go ahead and buy it. If there's a limited supply, which I think there is, maybe you shouldn't. So that's my two cents. And then, and then you get the situation, <clears throat> and I think I'll, I'll, the whole range of opinions all have valid foundations, but then you get the situation where you look at the jurisdiction of Florida. This is a case in point. In both uh, Miami and Tampa Bay, you've got hockey teams. You've also got a, a state jurisdiction that's basically said, we don't have a priority list. First come, first serve, in you mm-hmm. go, get vaccinated. There's even Canadians who've gone down to Florida against the instructions or against the recommendations of our own government to travel internationally. They've gone down there, and some of them have gotten vaccinated. So they've we've gone to the states, which you're not supposed to do, but they've gotten vaccinated while they're down there pretty hard to fault that yeah you know so <laughs> let's say and I'm, I'm i have a point here let's say tampa bay and uh the florida panthers decide because there's no priority list in florida that they're going to have their team vaccinated uh, both teams and then knowing that full well let's say it's playoff time in june or july and they've got vaccinated players and they're not going to have an injured reserve covid walking wounded list like other teams might have it could give them a substantial advantage in the playoffs it's true so so therefore do you prevent a team from vaccinating its players if the team is based in a jurisdiction that actually would allow it and and not in a way that takes away from the general public so there's bigger moral questions there but uh i haven't made my mind up on it either it's not a lot of vaccines frankly a couple of trays of pfizer could probably do half the league so it's it's not a huge uh, gap i guess in the overall supply chain but uh and i don't think it's necessarily uh the same in canada as it is in the states either canada has a very uh, fairly well-defined list of priority people and healthcare workers and seniors and all that are at the top of it hockey players i don't think are on the list uh so canada might have in a way a disadvantage because we are far more controlled by by the government preference on where how this vaccine gets rolled out as opposed to the states which will be more of a free-for-all so i wonder if they're going to um that's actually a really good point i never thought of that because there were certain places um last year where covid was so bad the the teams weren't allowed to practice on their rinks and stuff right they were not allowed but there were other places like in canada where they could have practiced on their rinks there was nothing wrong but it wasn't fair for them to be able to practice when other teams couldn't so they were not allowed to do it Mm. I would have to think something similar would be in place for this, although it's medical, which makes it, I don't know, this is a tough one, I think. Yeah, this Because you're is absolutely what you... right. There is 100% an advantage for a team that gets the vaccination early who knows that at least, in, you know, they might have injuries, but they're not going to have COVID-related things well down the road when they need their players most, whereas other players and teams that don't have it, they could. And that's, I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. I never thought about that one before. It's a great point. Yeah, this is what you call can of worms mm. it is 
I don't know. It, I don't know if there's a right decision or a wrong decision. It's just one of those situations that I don't know. I don't <laughs> we'll see, I guess. I don't either. Anyway, that's good for me as far as the things I was going to raise. I know we're probably burning time here, but thank you. Yeah. Uh, how much? How long have we been going in for anyway? Any idea? Uh, fifty-three minutes. Okay, so. Uh, my stuff's pretty quick. I just wanted to talk about like some of the financial stuff, like in terms of like advertising and where they're going to go. Um, maybe I wanted to recap a couple of the new rule changes to remind people going into the season that there are, have been a couple of rule changes. And I think the last thing was I just wanted to talk just briefly about the, the, the changes to their COVID testing. So in terms of the, the, the economics, um, obviously the NHL is seeking more revenue sources. Um, out of the big four leagues, they make by far the least amount of money and they rely the most on ticket sales. So this is hitting them the hardest. Um, so I, what do you guys think real quickly about having the sticker on the helmet for the sponsors? We already talked about the division, so I don't really need to get into that. Yeah. You go ahead, Dad. I'm cool with it. Uh, it it'll be something we just eventually we'll get used to. We're already used to it in international play where you've mm -hmm. got all kinds of big stickers that, that are Skoda or whatever, you know, plastered all over someone at the, at the uh, Spangler, uh, I think it's. I think they're gross, but I don't have a moral difficulty with it. Uh, the the league has to do uh, extraordinary things to try to stay in the black, so I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. I if you put it on the helmet, that's fine. Put it on the pants, I'm fine with that. Put it on the socks. I don't care about socks. Put it on the socks, the skates, the gloves. I just want it off the jerseys, as both of you probably know, since I collect jerseys, since not just myself, but hundreds of thousands of people buy and collect jerseys. As soon as I start putting advertisements on the jerseys, I, I mean, boldly and truthfully, will not be interested in buying NHL jerseys. So I, they can do whatever they want. Just keep it off the jerseys. I have a feeling the jerseys are coming. I think that's the long play. I think that's maybe the final play. Yeah. I think it's coming. I think the jerseys they sell will not have the advertisements on it, which is kind of weird because you're getting the authentic jersey, but you're not actually getting the jerseys that the players wear anymore. So does that right. make you want a jersey that has the little ad on the shoulder? <laughs> I don't know. I'm with you. Mm. That's a point where you just say, nope, that's enough of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so Daniel Kaplan, who uh, works for The Athletic, he speculates that he thinks it's a seven-figure number that these companies are paying for the division name, names, like a mid-seven-figure, so probably like five, six million, um, you know, times four. There's $20 million in NHL recovered right there. Um, you get the, the teams getting their own sponsors for helmets, so there's a little bit of money right there. Um, in terms of the hockey-related revenue, like obviously – 50-50 gets split with the owners and the players, and the players are still getting their, their salaries. So the players are going to end up having to pay a lot of money back to the owners over time in the future. So this is going to come... The people coming into the league now are going to have to pay for the players who are winning right now. Uh, I don't know if people realize that. So you, in terms of, like, you remember how the, the NHL wanted to renegotiate the contract just recently, even though they just re-signed one, like, a couple months ago? Right. When they realized the financials weren't as good. And um, Gary Bettman said it. You know, he's very truthful about it. He's like, the 50-50 is not going away. So if we're losing more money than we thought, you're going to have to pay it back to us in the future, which means the future players are not going to have the salary caps that they should have had, which means their contracts are going to be smaller, escrow, all that. So I think players are on board with anything they can do to pay that money back as well. Like, there was a there was a, uh, a retired player talking on one of the sports shows I listened to, and he said, if I knew that I had, you know, that our group of players was responsible for paying a bunch of money back... I'd be saying load my jersey up with ads. The more we can get on there, because it, it, to them it's the business. They don't care, right? Like if you have to put like a sponsor, like you know how like in the minor leagues or not the minor leagues, if you have your kids that play hockey, like especially in Ontario, you can actually get like a banner 
with a sponsor that you attach to the bottom of the jersey of your child's thing. And, you know, they, they pay for, like, part of your sponsorship. So he was basically saying like that, like, load me up. I don't care if we if we got to pay this back, we got to pay this back. And for a fan, that's that's not what we want to hear. Like the players and owners, they want to get back on track as fast as possible. And maybe some of us are kind of OK with some of it, but we'd rather not them or have them go too far. So like Neil said, I think jerseys are too far for you. I would say jerseys are probably too far for me, too. Um, I don't I don't think the helmet bothers me at all. I think it will just blend right in. And the ones I've seen so far um like capital one with washington their colors of their logo actually match their their get up so it just looks natural like even though they're skating around you're not going to see the logo but you'll just see that little glint of color and it won't i don't think it won't stand out like if you had a big green pickle sticking on your helmet that might be something <laughs> else but um yeah i think the worst one i saw was direction. pittsburgh pittsburgh had a blue a blue ppg uh logo mm-hmm. it obviously pittsburgh doesn't use blue so it looked a yeah. little out of, out of place but even still it really wasn't that bad. Like you're not going to notice it and it's not going to bother you. So mm. whatever. Um, I want to just quickly, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, have you guys compared the TV contracts in NHL compared to what's out there for the rest of them? As far as sport, in, other in terms of the national broadcast. So like how much the NHL is being paid by national broadcast companies to cover for that year versus oh. NFL mm. MLB. No. So, and this is why Kaplan said that, um, the NHL was most hurt by this because they have the less fa- or they have the least amount of fallback money. Like the greatest percentage of their income is ticket sales and other stuff like that. So NHL or NBC for NHL pays 200 million a year and Rogers pays 436 million Canadian a year, which is around 340. So just from those two national contracts, the NHL makes around 540 million dollars a year. So there's other people too, like there's regional broadcasts, like TSN covers some regional games down the states. I'm sure there's some. So it's it's actually more than that, but in terms of the national broadcast, it's 540 a year compared to the NFL, which is 5.1 billion dollars a year. Jeez. ESPN <laughs> pays almost two billion a year. Fox pays 1.1. NBC pays 1.1, and CBS pays one billion a year each to cover NFL for one season. That's so crazy. You got NHL making five forty million and NFL five point one billion. NBA, That's... ESPN, and Turner Sports—they have the national broadcast rights is two point six billion a year, and then the upcoming contracts for the MLB. Um, Fox is paying seven twenty eight. Turner's paying five thirty five, and they're they're speculating that the ESPN is going to be over a billion, which will put MLB into two billion dollars a year on their TV deal. So the NHL is way behind the other three leagues. So it makes sense that they're doing what they can to bring in extra money. Cause they've been really hit hard by the pandemic. And, and sometimes as fans, you don't really, you don't really think of it that way. You just think of, you know, these are the four sports and they're all millionaires and billionaires. But in terms of the other three, like the, the NHL is significantly behind. So it's not surprising that they are lifting every rock they can to try to find out where they can find some more nickels. Hmm. It goes to ticket sales too. Like if you think about the amount of people that you can fit into a baseball stadium or a football stadium versus a hockey stadium. I mean, I think the Blue Jays game I went to a couple of years ago, I got my ticket for $35 mm-hmm. or $39 or whatever. And we were sitting like 11 rows from, from the field. You ain't doing that in an, in, in an NHL arena unless you're in Florida, Buffalo, or Arizona probably. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You like and these contract on Arizona, sizes. Arizona, what was that? Sorry. It said you like picking on Arizona, don't you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Go ahead, Dad. Yeah, but these broadcasting contract sizes, as we already know, are directly related to how many eyeballs are watching TV to watch these totally play yeah. their games. So, like, it, it's not like you know. My first reaction when I see these numbers is like, man, hockey's getting no respect. Uh, but in fact, 
it's it's all about the viewership and as much as we're canadians and it's all about hockey uh all the time i i get it i'm not thrilled about it but i think the only way to overcome this is to actually grow the keep growing the game and uh keep growing the game you get more eyeballs uh watching <clears throat> the tv screens <clears throat> excuse me and some of these other innovative things that neil you've talked about before uh, the great opportunities that we may have had when they played in the bubble just in the last season where they could have uh, more camera positions because you don't have fans getting in the way and you could have maybe people at home choosing which cameras they want to watch and, and the way they want to watch the game maybe those are the kinds of things and those innovations that might drive upward the amount of viewers who can watch a hockey game and be happy because a lot of times as much as i love hockey by the end of the broadcast, I'm pretty upset with what I've seen, not because the play on the ice was terrible, but because the way they delivered it to me was terrible. So yeah, there's work to do there, too. Absolutely. Apparently, from what I was reading um, this morning, um, they said to watch out for the board advertisements this year and just left it at that. So I don't know if there's going to be more digital ads or more. I don't know. They didn't get into specifics. They just said be on the lookout for a change in board advertising. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see for that. Interesting. One thing that I've noticed, uh, I watch a lot of Premier League football out of the UK, and they have LED uh, sidelines, basically, that are, I don't know how high they really are, but they see, appear to be three or four feet tall. And they run cartoons along them, and they're, you know, they're in motion. They're very bright, very vivid. But one thing it does also do, and I don't know if this is a, 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 something that can be overcome, is it drives digitally-based video cameras absolutely crazy. They, they see all those digital things and they go into pixel hell somehow and things just don't look right. And I wonder, and I hope not, that the uh, NHL and even other sports are going to hopefully stay away from these kinds of uh, uh, LED-based uh, changing ads because it really does not do well with cameras. But mm, Especially with the ice, too, where it's more reflective than grass, so... Yeah, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother angle. You need to consider the reflectability, I guess. I think they and that's why they changed the um, the way they had the, the their initial idea for the bubble, the way they had the arenas set up. I think they had screens down lower. And it was causing issues with the players and stuff. And I think they moved them up higher. Jason, did we talk about that in the podcast? I think we did because I think there was a goalie actually that complained. He was there early uh, doing a practice, and when the puck was shot up fairly high where like in terms of the vision if you're looking down the ice if the puck was above the boards you couldn't see it anymore because it was just yeah. disappeared into the into the giant screens that were on so <laughs> yeah hmm. anyway um we can jump ahead and let's go into the rule changes real quick so obviously the big one is the offside rule you no longer have to have your skate dragging across the ice it can be in the air i think that's a good change i think everyone's happy with that yep um the hockey ops department said that had that rule been in effect last year there would have been 14 additional goals so how much is 14 goals i don't know but it's more goals so more goals is more win if you ask me mm -hmm. um uh, changes to goaltending um david Ayers, the e-bug um obviously that created a little bit of a stir um so especially now with that and covid uh, teams have to have three active goalies on the roster they're allowed to keep one in their taxi squad if they want but that player even if they're on the taxi squad has to travel with the team on their away game so they always have to have three goalies on standby ready to go hmm. um which brings me into the taxi squad so if anyone doesn't know what the taxi squad is um basically each team's allowed to have an, an additional four to six players that they kind of have as kind of like their reserve and those players contracts don't count against the cap unless they're actually playing 
or like if they're activated for NHL rosters. That's so, cool. Uh, otherwise, it's just like their their contracts being treated like it's buried in the in the AHL. And that's just to, to I think obviously I think this is just for this season. It's just to help with COVID. Like there's a lot of hurdles with state to state travel and country to country travel, obviously. So basically it just lets you have a little pocket of players where if you need to call someone up, you have that little squad right there. So it just makes things easier for the teams. Hmm. Um, coaches, I in my notes I have this wrong, but coaches will have to wear masks this year. Um, they didn't have to behind the bench before. I think most coaches are going to like this, except for when they're yelling, like in terms of them sitting there going like covering their face and let's have a try. They're not going to even have to do that anymore because the cameras aren't going to be able to pick up with their lip reading anymore. So I don't think that's a big deal. Yeah, um, that's that's OK. I'd, it's going to it's going to look a little weird for us, but I've I think and, we, and we've seen we've seen coaches from other leagues do it, too, like especially like the assistant coaches, like when you're watching basketball and stuff, they're just sitting there with their masks on. It's it's fine. Like, whatever. I was yeah. watching, uh, I think, one of the football games yesterday and I, I just out of the corner of my eye and when I looked, it was over. But I could have sworn that I saw an NFL coach with a mask on, but he also had a headset like I've got. And when it came time for him to talk, he went like this. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of habit. Just out of habit, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was watching some basketball, and I, I his name escapes me, the coach of the Raptors. I, I'll think of it after. Yeah. He was yelling at the ref, and he took his mask down underneath his chin and just had it underneath his chin while he was yelling at the at the ref. Well, what's the point of wearing a mask? Like, just oh, yeah. so I don't I don't know if he got fined or I don't know anything going on there, but it was just an odd, just odd to see. But yeah, um, so NHL has also put some more restrictions on players this year. Obviously, if they're going to be playing in each other's rinks and they're not they're not allowed just to free roam the city like they normally are, um, they're only allowed to go to the rink and the hotel. That's it. You're not allowed to go anywhere else. All your meals and stuff will be served at your hotel. Um, when you get back home, uh, you're not allowed to carpool with other players or use valet services at your rink, which I guess is quite common. So you can't just show up to your home rink and have someone take your car and park for you. So hmm. it sucks to be them, I guess. But um, <laughs> Teams are being asked to conduct their meetings virtually, which is, is kind of weird to me. I mean, that's what the article said. I think I think they're talking about the overall team, like in terms of everyone, like not just players and coaches, like because obviously they're together anyway. Um, so I, I'm assuming like in terms of like the higher ups there, they'd rather people not get them in a room together or like marketing staff or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Um, and they also created a tiered system where they categorize employees under different groups. So like coaches and, and staff would be considered group one. Um, what's kind of funny is they put um, the owners and team executives under group three and group three is not allowed to talk to group one directly. So you can't have a player or coach go into a meeting with a team executive or an owner. So Weird. I don't think it's, I don't think it's very common that a coach or even a player talks to an owner during a season. Like I, I would assume that's kind of different, but in terms of a team executive, like a president, I wouldn't say that's far fetched for the coach and the GM and maybe the president to be in a room together discussing how they're going to build the team, how they're going to make changes, but that can't happen anymore. The, the coach is not allowed to be in meetings with, executive members or owners mm. anymore which i that, thought was kind of weird that's interesting i guess it depends on what team you are if you're the ottawa senators you might uh, have melnick come <laughs> down and yell at you every once in a while that's true um in terms of the covid19 testing this is the last i have so every day during training camp players are being tested and once the season starts every day for the first four weeks they're going to be tested and then they're going to uh, reevaluate and talk to disease control experts and all that to see if they can move to every second day but in terms of the start of the season and the players, you know, traveling between cities and stuff, you know that every day they're, they're getting a test. So maybe that'll make people feel a little better about it. I don't mm. know. 
and I mean, recently we just went through uh, a bit of an outbreak, I guess. I think Dallas canceled a bunch of stuff. Uh, was I can't remember the ratio. Was it six players and two staff members? I that think was, it was like that, and they've delayed their start of their season now, I believe, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then and it, was Col- it was Columbus that held back some players to be safe, and then when you look at the list of players, pretty much every player is on that list. It's like, okay, you've listed yeah. a ton of players. so It's like 19 players. <laughs> I don't think anyone thought the NHL was going to be immune to this. I mean, in every other single league where they had regular seasons, you've seen this happen, and we have to expect it, especially down the States where things are bad, and especially in like on Ontario and stuff too. Like, I won't be surprised if someone from the Toronto Maple Leafs or Montreal Canadiens gets it because, I mean, those two countries or provinces are getting rocked right now. So yeah, we have to expect it, and we just have to hope that it – it gets dealt with and contained well when it does. And uh, we were speaking privately about someone who got the vaccine and who was having symptoms, like negative symptoms because of a flu-like symptoms um, and, you know, kind of having a bit of a rough time. And I guess the teams have to take that into consideration as well. If they'd give the vaccine to players, maybe a player's not going to be able to play for a couple of games depending on how they react to the vaccine and stuff. So... Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother other aspect of the can of worms we talked about earlier, but yeah. that is it just made me think of that when we were just talking. Yeah, I was watching the news. Uh, it might have been I don't know if it was yesterday when we talked to maybe it was the day before, and there was a girl on the news. She was down the states where she had just got her second vaccine, and she was talking about it. And she said the second dose definitely hits a lot harder than the first one, and she definitely recommended that for the next twenty four hours you do not do anything. So you don't go to work. You don't. You're wow. going to feel like crap. You take the Tylenols. You take the Advils and. You just deal with it. And, and the person we know that has it, that's exactly what's happening with them right now is they just achy and nauseous. And But that shows you that it's working. I mean, if you didn't feel anything, then I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like that that's your body creating antibodies to deal with it. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you have to go through the process. So uh, blessing in disguise, I guess, a little bit. But uh, is that all we have for today, Dad? Do you have anything else to add? I, I don't think I do. Uh, I think. It's great to to have the podcast back, not so much as a participant, but just as a listener. I really enjoyed watching and listening to the podcast all the time. It's it's good to have it back. And I think it's good for the channel overall because uh, it can get, you know, if you go months and months without any hockey content, Mm. real live hockey content, uh, you can almost, you you wither away a little bit. And it's great to be talking about real things that are going to happen in days, which is awesome. Yes, I agree. It feels very good to be talking about actual hockey topics now. <laughs> I like the jerseys. I like the unboxings. I like the jersey concepts and stuff. But uh, everything gets old after a while, and those are getting pretty old. So I'm glad to be kind of back in the hot seat talking about real hockey things here. So um, appreciate you both joining me. Um, Jason, next weekend, this will go back to you as the host, but I'll close it off today. So thanks, Jason, for joining. Thanks for all your notes that you did. J- uh, Dad, as well, coming up with some topics. Um we will be posting this tonight, probably around 7 or 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, depending on how quickly I can edit it. Maybe sooner. I'm not sure. But uh, regardless, it will go out tonight on Sunday. Um, so I, anyone who listens right away, I really appreciate it. You know, if you're that that person who listens right away on Sunday night, uh, I appreciate you. And on Monday morning, some people listen to it when they go to work or on their way to work on the bus or or in the car or whatever. Um, whoever you listen to our content or watch our content, consume it. Uh, we really appreciate you. I hope you're having an awesome day. We'll see you in the highlight videos starting not next, this coming week, but the week after. And uh, yeah, we'll make the transition uh, next week as well for the, the new system. So thanks, guys. Have a good day. And I'll catch you later. Adios.